0: Welcome to the Transformational Leadership Podcast. This is your host, Hannah Anam. My mission is to help you lead more effectively and be an agent of positive change in times of disruption. On this podcast, we interview practitioners and leadership experts and have coaching exercises that you can apply immediately to your work challenges. Together, we learn how to achieve success and create workplaces in a world that work better for all excited today to welcome Otto Sharmer. Otto is an action researcher who co-creates innovations in learning and leadership. He's a senior lecturer in the MIT Management Sloan School and co-founder of the Presencing Institute. Most recently Otto and his colleagues launched Gaia, Global Activation of Intention and Action, a free online learning journey geared toward Profound Civilizational Renewal. Welcome, Otto.
1: Thank you very much, Hannah, for having me on.
0: Uh, Otto, I know that you're this probably this really smart person because you're a senior lecturer at MIT, and so I wanted to start with a very serious question. What's your favorite ice cream flavor?
1: My favorite? One of the many, you mean? Well, the Colbert one, right? The Ben & Jerry's Colbert I think uh, a classic that never ends probably is also the Cherry Garcia. So I would pick Oh, one.
0: yes, yes. Cherry Garcia is my husband's favorite. <laughs> and so we usually have that in our freezer. All right. So we're here at a pretty historic time in the middle of this pandemic, which for most of us, is the first kind of thing that we've experienced in our lives that is as disruptive as it is. And being in the middle of this pandemic, I know so many of us are wondering what this emerging future will be like. We're trying to talk to futurists. We're trying to sort out when is this economy gonna recover? We're trying to figure out what's happening in our industries with technology trends. And recently we had Satya Nadella talk about how, you know digital transformation has been speeded up, about two years of it has been speeded up in two months as consumer habits and the industry has changed. So do you have any thoughts uh, about this and how do we get into sensing what this emerging future is going to be like?
1: I mean, first, uh, connecting with the felt sense, I would agree kind of the last two months we probably had like half a decade's worth of uh, events, right? And uh, I also sometimes feel like the last three, four years, right, ever since 2016, I-, I must have aged like two decades or something, right? So so there is like, time is not just chronological time. Time is also, it has like qualities, right, of being more dense, being more accelerated, or and I just want to acknowledge that, you know, that, that's kind of probably how many of us feel how much really has changed the last few weeks. So we are having this conversation here mid-May. Mid and so ever since um, mid-March, right, so much change has happened. So that's the first thing we notice. The second thing I would say is how different. There is no such thing as the future, right? We all know that the future is not what happens to us so it's not like oh what is going to be right so the future is what we do with what happens to us
0: oh can so we stop it, there? Can we just stop there i just want to repeat that can you repeat that because i think that's such a profound statement i think we think of future sort of like as we think of stories like there's a beginning there's a middle and there's an end yeah and you know, we're waiting for the end <laughs> so that we can come back to, you know, some <laughs> form of normalcy. But I really want you to repeat what you just said. Yeah. I think it's so profound.
1: Yeah. And, and therefore, uh, because it is uh, so, I mean, just to follow your train of t- thought. Therefore, we ask the experts, then, the, then we know the answer. And I say, no, that's not how it's working. The future is not what happens to us. So it, the future is not what like, you ask an expert and then you know. The future is not what happens to us. The future is how we respond to what happens to us. So the future is emerging from the quality of how we respond in the current moment to what's happening to us. So what is happening to us is the disruption. And the response, and that I think that statement applies both to an individual level, right? Because I can be stressed, I can be panic, I can be fear driven and you know move into panic uh, you know purchases, or I can participate in compassionate action, I can team up with my neighbors, I could you know help out in my own community. so we see a lot of both of these phenomena and and when we look at for example. It also applies to leadership, of course, so so it applies to the individual level, but it also applies to, to leadership, particularly to country leadership as we have seen. So when in um, early January, Chinese authorities for the first time publicized uh, internationally the virus and kind of uh, and it, the, the risk factors, it took the Southeast Asian governments like Singapore, Taiwan, Hong Kong and so forth three days to respond right then kind of they so they kicked in with the screening at the airports and so and they kind of prepared all the um uh, rapid response mechanisms that uh, you know were in part already in place but they activated them it took us weeks right so whether in the us whether you say it was six weeks or eight weeks people are debating but it took us a long time before really responding to the situation. And the difference between three days and six weeks is 80,000, right? 80,000 deaths and counting. So that's, so it's not, the future is not happening to us. The future is a function of how we respond to the disruption of the current moment. And if we take that.
0: And so, yes. And I just want to pause us there because what you just laid out is how high the stakes are and how, to me, what I'm hearing in that is how our leaders, whether it's ourselves, right? Cause we're all leading ourselves and leaders of communities, countries, organizations, how their ability to respond has high stakes. It has high stakes for, So many, certainly for ourselves as leaders, but it has high stakes for so many of the people that are in our care and in our charge. And so, yeah, that's a really great point. And the difference in response, eight weeks, 80,000 deaths to three days. What, from a leadership perspective, what's, can you talk to, what is the difference in terms of whether it's the quality of presence, whether it is the skill in navigating ambiguity, what is it that created this gap that leaders need to watch out for in terms of their ability to respond to things that are changing quite rapidly?
1: Well, that's a great question. and. Obviously, I'm not in a position to, to give a definite statement on that. I think there are certain things I see. It needs to be a conversation, really. But I would say, number one, what it's not. It's not that in Southeast Asia, they have the better experts, right? We have the same quality of experts here. Dr. Fauci and his team, and, you know, so it's, uh, that's not the difference, right? The knowledge is the same. The experts are the same. But where we have a difference is in terms of leadership. And in all fairness, I I wanna also say there was a little bit of an advantage for the uh, Southeast Asian and East Asian countries because of the SARS experience. They went through something similar already uh, at a higher scale than we did here. But let's step back and go back to the so leadership matters. And what we see I would say, so when you look at countries that are seen as examples, so for example, uh, New Zealand, for example, Taiwan, and when you look to Europe, so Germany is an example, right, with a uh, remarkable low death rate, right? So a lot, lots of cases, but very, very low number of fatalities. And so what are we noticing? And then, you know, uh, you can also go to... Uh, to Denmark and Sweden, I mean, we're, were similar. So, what are we noticing there? Female leaders, right? And then now go to uh, the U.S., Trump, and Brazil countries who are now in the headline, who are just, you know, in bad, in, in a really bad situation, and there is no sign of really improvement, right? So, when you, when you look at these examples, it's about a leadership that puts the ego in the center. Right, that is trapped into seeing everything only from the me, me perspective, and we know what's the most for all of us. It's painful to watch. So it's not bad intention at all. It's like inability to. So it's a person trapped in the me, 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 in the ego system awareness. What is it that leaders need to do today? They need to move beyond the ego system perspective and adopt a more system-wide perspective. I call it ecosystem perspective, right? a shift from ego to eco, from ecosystem awareness to ecosystem awareness, by which I mean to look at a situation, not just from your own angle, yes, you do that too, but also through the eyes of all the relevant stakeholders that you are dealing with. And I think that's something that's particularly applicable for for leaders of countries, but it's also applicable for those of us who are in business, who are in social sector organizations, who are in governmental organizations, because we all deal with issues that in order to be successful in your job, you need to bring in multiple stakeholders and you need to move them from more a silo perspective, more to a systems view.
0: Yeah. So... Beautifully said, you know, leaders matter more than ever in times of disruption because stakes are really high. Please share your thoughts about how can we move first ourselves, ego system awareness to ecosystem awareness, and then we'll get into how can we move our teams and the stakeholders that we have. So let's start with ourselves first.
1: Probably the starting point is kind of setting your own intention into that direction, right because so so it takes an intentional effort, of course. but then it's more than that. so it's uh, it's still definitely more than let's say um, wishful thinking. So setting an intention is not wishful thinking, of course. So what it takes is an infrastructure, and I would say one of the um, and a practice that you pick up, right, and one of the um, most underrated leadership skills of our age is listening so listening is not just an important leadership skill listening is really at the foundation of of all great leadership and of mastery in any kind of discipline right you cannot develop mastery in anything right including relationship and parenting and any kind of uh, creative arts and any kind of other skills if you are not a good listener, because if you are not a good listener, you are out of, out of touch with reality, right? And at the root of all leadership failures that we see, and we see a lot of them going on right now, is a disconnect between leaders with reality. And, and at the root of that is a lack of listening. So listening matters, right? Listening is, in my view, the most underrated leadership skill of our time. And um, when you double click on listening, I would say there are like four different levels. First level is you just kind of see what you already know, right? You project, right? Your habitual ways of seeing or of thinking, you know, shaped by your basically your experiences of the past. Number two is factual listening. And so factual listening is you pick up something new, right? So you you notice something that's disconfirming. That's uh, what you expected to see. And all good science training teaches us, right? That's what we need to lean into, right? Into the disconfirming data, because that's where the source of tomorrow's innovation are. And then number three is empathic listening. And empathic listening really is not only looking at something new from outside, but really shifting your perspective. So you look at a situation not from your own perspective, but through someone else's eye, right? Kind of from through the eyes of your customers, through the eyes of your stakeholders, through the eyes of the other. And that allows you in a multi-stakeholder situation to be much more effectively, because if you don't know how another person is sensing and experiencing the situation, how can you be effective in managing all the dynamics, which are often difficult, right, with different interests and so on. Uh, If if you can't do that, it's like flying an airplane with no navigation instruments, right? So you will not be very effective in, uh, you know, in difficult territory. And then the last one, the the fourth one, is really a generative listening, by which I mean listening the new into being. Now, for example, if we have a great coaching conversation, if we have, like, with our team, like, a breakthrough conversation where something new is being born, something that matters in terms of who we are and the journey forward we want to manifest, we want to bring into reality, so that's what I call generative conversation and generative listening. And that's really, it's always important, right? But in a moment when you live and lead in a moment of disruption, it's not important. It's critical right? because that's the lifeline kind of because if, if you lead in a moment of disruption, what does it mean? It means by definition, the future will be different from the past.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And therefore,
1: because it will be different, how is it that you as a leader get in touch with tomorrow, right? Get in touch with the field of possibility. So what's about to emerge? Because uh, if you just push back to the new, right, and hold on to the past, well, you are setting yourself up to be a victim, right? If you want to co-sense and co-shape the future, you need to open up the deeper capacities the deeper capacities for sensing and connecting and listening that we have as human beings, but that are often through what we call education and training are socialized out of us, right? That's what we need to cultivate. And that's kind of what really the theory you work is all about.
0: Yeah. So I want to, you mentioned theory U. Would you share a little bit about um, what theory U is?
1: Well, theory U is, that's an approach to awareness-based systems change. So it can be uh, depicted like with an iceberg metaphor, right? So the systems thinking is basically saying, okay, there's like two parts of reality. What you, what's visible to the eye above the waterline, but then there's another part of our system that's below the waterline. And when you want to understand the behavior of the system, these deeper layers, the root issues, right? Not the symptoms at the top, but the deeper root issues further down the iceberg. They also matter. So, what do you do as a leader? You don't react against symptoms, right? You try to understand and then address the deeper root issues. And in the case of our know, awareness-based systems change, we differentiate between three layers there, right? Structure, right? Structural issues, and then paradigms of thought, like underneath like the, the mental models that we operate with. And the deepest layer is something that I call source, or that could be also called awareness, right? The source of our creativity, the source of who we are, the source of our attention and intention. So that's kind of the this deepest level. And kind of the three sentences that, that summarize awareness-based systems change is, is this. One, you cannot understand a system unless you change it that's the famous dictum by kurt lewin two you cannot change a system unless you transform consciousness so that basically says hey it's about all four of these levels that i just write symptoms structures paradigms of thought and the deeper sources And number three, you cannot transform consciousness unless you make a system sense and see itself. So that basically, that's about the how, right? So and it basically says, I mean, we already know that from coaching and things like that, right? So if, if I want to go through some profound change, I need another person in order that helps me to look at myself, look at my own behaviors, right? To look at the bigger picture. Okay, we all know that. But are we doing it on a systems level? Not really. And why not? Because we lack A, the leadership, but also the tools, the methods and tools that allow us to do it on the level of the whole system. And that's where Theory U is contributing. So Theory U is a framework but also a set of methods and tools and practices that allows you to address all four levels of change, not just the top one, two, or three.
0: Beautiful. So one of the things that I know a lot of clients get stuck in is we have a goal or a priority that we need to work toward we have others that we need their support in order to make my goal happen and others have their own priorities or in the case of complex um, systems which is what we're trying to deal with right now i happen to be running an organization and i have lots of different stakeholders you know i have to worry about employees and employee safety i have to worry about my shareholders and the fact that my you know bottom line may be leaking and they might have conflicting uh, goals. I'm intrigued by what you were saying about this notion that you know deeper listening and more empathic listening and listening at a level four can actually create opportunities for new possibilities to emerge. Can you give me an example of either something that you've seen emerge or perhaps your own experience of how leaders who have that capacity to listen at level four create the conditions where new futures can emerge and new possibilities can emerge
1: so, so we need to create conditions for harmony that's not a better word right for that so so here we would maybe we, we talk about coherence we talk about in a deeper alignment and I think this alignment has to do with two things. One is on a horizontal level, we need to know each other. We need to understand each other. We need to listen to each other. We need to uh, really internalize each other's intentions and issues and preferences, right? So that's what's happening when you bring together a multi-stakeholder group. That's what's happening in a community of corporate ecosystem. But then there's a second dimension. And the second dimension has to do with a vertical dimension. And that is about kind of connecting to a higher purpose together so that because, you know, we may be, let's say you and I, we may have some issues or different interests or whatever it is, but, and so we can put the focus on that, right? On let's say kind of the competitive dynamics that exist between most organizations today, but we can suspend some of that and more strengthen the collaborative genes in our relationship when we focus on maybe a shared deeper intention that we can align with together. So, for example, I mean, Fisher comes to my mind, uh, others who have, who really, you know, try to trailblaze new approaches to, you know, uh, help the, um, the workers help uh, the people that are furloughed are you know, are in need and don't have the economic means to, you know, get credit and to survive kind of such a long uh, uh, period and use uh, mobilized resources around that. So where, you know, as a community, you know, we can help each other. But I would say mostly where I see the new leadership right now, right, is not on the level of formal, uh, of formal leadership, right? We see it in the front lines, right? We see it in the frontline response and the volunteer response uh, of all our essential workers. So why? And I think that's the opportunity of the current moment that we can wake up for this new leadership that uh, that uh, that is needed now. And that's also possible now because we see one thing we learn i mean there's two things we two things we learn from the current situation. Number one is we are the system right so and uh so it's all interconnected and number two is we can reshape the system according to our intentions, right so we can it's not like the economy is run by natural laws, no it's actually uh, shaped by human intention, and we are the ones who put these intentions into place. And that is helping us in rising to the occasion in the COVID nineteen situation. But then, once we are, you know, once we are coming out of that uh, on the other end, of course, there are all these other challenges that we face in this um, decade and this century that need the same intentional approach. And that's, I think, the exciting opportunity that's ahead of us.
0: Yes. So. Put yourself, Otto, in the shoes of somebody who's listening to this podcast. They could be an individual contributor inside of an organization. They could be a senior leader inside of an organization. And we've talked a lot about we are the system. So our voice counts, our intention counts, our action counts, our compassion counts. And we want from a What I'd like to offer is what are some concrete actions that you would recommend for that individual who's listening to this podcast where they can deepen some of the skills in listening that you talked about, where they can shift that sense of consciousness that you were talking about? What are some really simple actions? Because what's happening right now is people are overwhelmed, they're kind of in this incredibly stressful time where there's cognitive you know breakdown and overload yeah so the question is if you were to say here are the three things you know just start doing three things or let's just start with one thing what is it that you would advise them to do
1: so three things i like three things so so here are three things that i would suggest Uh, one is each day create a moment of stillness for yourself so that can be most people do that in the early morning before others uh, get up and the chaos starts right and before you maybe uh, look into the inbox or into your device uh, even Uh, or it can be late evening so when you know things have calmed down it can be i have found and many of us do it now have found a, a wonderful opportunity is also take a walk out in nature right and you know Solitude in nature and kind of is um, one of the, nature is one of the gateways to our deeper ways, a, a gateway to our deeper sources of knowing. Do that for yourself, right? Do that for yourself, kind of uh, allow yourself these moments of slowdown, so where you can tune out of all the noise, basically, and tune into whatever it is that's most essential for you. This kind of little moment of slowing down, of connecting with, you know, your own sources helps you to be a lot more intentional and relaxed. So when something happens, you are not as reactive, you are more relaxed and you can tap into a more calm and grounded energy. So that's number one. Number two is find a person, right, or find a small group of people you can have a deep listening conversation with. Truth is, no one can do this alone, right? So we need each other. And each other can be one other person, so who can really, we we talked about the four levels of listenings. So what is a good other person? Somebody who can listen on level three or four, right? Deep listening, one way or another, who is not interrupting you, who is not judging you, who is not just throwing questions at you without, you know, real listening. So we know who these people are. There are some of these people who can do that. The third thing is realize that what, we, what, that what happens in your life is actually something that happens globally right now. We all are part of a much bigger moment where something is ending, right? an old system is ending, and something else is wanting to be born. And try to be part of that conversation one way or another. And one way you can be part of that conversation is go on GaiaJourney.org, right? It's basically every other week, kind of there's like calls, like uh, where you can tune in. And so where, you know, this process of deep listening is done, not just by one or 20 people, but it's a group of 7,000, right? And it happens in different language groups and you can meet new people. And so it's it's a way of really, tuning into how other people what other people are experiencing in this situation and then allow your own process to continue and also it's a place where you can join discussion groups around impact areas whether you want to activate your own change initiative around regenerative agriculture or new ways of you know well-being and health or, or other areas so there's like ways of how to connect with other people who may be interested in the same question or undertaking similar initiatives in a different context, in a different region.
0: Yeah. It's such an important time, I think, for us to reimagine, to reinvent, to work with others, to generate not just change on the outside that we're called to, You know, it might be the environment or it might be health or it could be anything else to generate that change on the outside. But what I love about what you're talking about is that sense of generating that change on the inside, because that change on the inside, that change in our consciousness is kind of at the root of any change that we can help make happen with others. And so... It's a beautiful place to um, go explore. And I look forward to going and exploring that, that Gaia. Um, I want to, in closing, auto read from a book that I had bought maybe five years ago that you co-authored. And this book is called Presence. And this morning when I was preparing for this, uh, I just happened to open onto this page, which I feel there is so much I believe in synchronicity. It just really touched me. So I'm going to read a passage so that others can enjoy it because I think this so resonates uh, from the conversation we had. So, in this passage, uh, it's from page 111 in your book. It says, Yes, at the bottom of the you, you start to see the future that wants to emerge as people spontaneously enact new ways of being in the moment. We all have our own experiences of this. For me, when I'm part of a social field that crosses the threshold at the bottom of the U, it feels as if I'm participating in the birth of a new world. It's a profound quieting experience in that I feel as if I've been touched by eternal beauty. There's a deep opening of my higher self. The movement upwards is caused by what begins to come into being through that opening. So with that, I have so much gratitude, Otto, for the work that you're doing with people around the world and creating opportunities like Gaia to not only make positive change happen in our worlds, in our communities, but make that positive change happen within us. And what a beautiful time now for us to use this time of disruption to emerge more empowered, more conscious, and to create a world that works better for all of us. So deep gratitude to you, Otto.
1: Thank you so much, uh for what you just said and kind of for, for reading this um, piece from the presence book and I, I deeply resonate with that. So I, I mean, it's interesting, right? It's, it's written maybe 10, 15 years ago. And uh, back then it was like true for me as a person and maybe for a few others. But right now, it seems so much more timely and relevant, not only for some people's personal situation, but also to our situation as a collective. So thank you for bringing that back to our and also to my attention. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening. This is your host, Hannah Anam. Please rate, comment and share our podcasts with those you care about. Be the leader who helps others grow and thrive in times of disruption. You can visit our website at www.transformleaders.tv. There, you'll find other great tools to grow your leadership and be a force for good in these times. Until the next time, my friends.